The one called Jesus Christ, the man who I believe was God, finished everything at a certain point in time and all the work is done to take care of the cost of sin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemper. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the 66 books of the Bible. Very, very important. And as we do that in about three minutes, we're gonna talk about Hebrews chapter 10. It is going to be very, very interesting, beginning with verse 11. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today I'm continuing my study from yesterday in which we discovered that Shiloh is a reference to the promised Messiah. All right, very good. Look forward to that. Janice? In Christ Alone, the second half of that beautiful hymn today. All right, very good. And we're going to talk to Richard. Uh, thanks for being here from Creation Ministries. I'm back again. All right, very good. We'll talk about that and more right now. Let's open up our Bible guide. If you don't have them, we'll tell you how you can get one later. And let's look at what God is saying to us in the Bible. Hebrews 8, 1 through 13. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord." For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. 
Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, these are fascinating passages that we need to really consider as we focus on this, because God is speaking to us. Now, in the ancient Jewish law, the priests were obligated to offer sacrifices regularly for the sins committed by the people of Israel, both intentional and unintentional. And the principle was that there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So sins were never erased by a person's merit, but had to be identified before God through animal sacrifice. Sin has been and always will be a violation of God. But Jesus Christ, God's sinless son, offered himself as the once and final sacrifice for all sin. His shed blood has covered and atoned for all of our sin. The most important thing that we can do is to have faith in Christ's finished atoning work on the cross so that he can restore us to the heavenly father. We need to keep that in mind when we are faced with the failures today. Jesus Christ conquers sin, not us. Sin is a horrible thing and tries to tempt us away from God. The way we deal with it is through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of his Holy Spirit within us. We must flee from sin and turn our hearts and minds towards the living Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. And that's really what we're talking about in this particular chapter of Hebrews chapter 10. As we do that, take your Bible guide and turn to that passage today as we begin to study it, the truth about God. Very interesting. A lot of people don't think there is truth, but there is. There's objective truth. And that truth stretches between the spiritual and the physical world. And so anyway, turn your Bible. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You need to get signed up right away. Go to uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click there and get signed up for so you can get the January guide, which is coming real quick. And uh, that's very interesting as we go through the Bible again next year. All new material as the Lord begins to reveal to us the things that he says. Today, let's pray. Father, help us as we study the truth about you. We're studying from your word. So we don't need to take our ideas of who you are and apply them, but we need to understand what you've said about yourself and take them. Help us, Lord, to allow our minds to be changed. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to work inside of us today as we study the book of Hebrews. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen and amen, or make it so. As we look at this, it's considered that we should think about God. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So this is really important. The work of Jesus Christ was completed once for our sins. His offering was himself. Today we serve Christ by building up his kingdom and his people. Beloved, let me just say that 
We work today, and when we work, we need to remember that we're working for God. We're not working to please ourselves. Now, you're not going to find a commercial that says that. Maybe on CBN you might, but you, you won't, just won't find a commercial that says that on Christian Station you might. But most of this world talks about pleasing yourself, taking a break, doing what you want. But listen carefully. If you're a Christian, if you're somebody who loves the Lord, Jesus Christ, you know that your work is to build his kingdom. So, Father, help us to build your kingdom. Very important. We do that with working with people and talking with people. That's how we do it. Very important. All right, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds. I will write them. He then adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Did, did you understand what he said? The work of the Holy Spirit guides us through God's word in our hearts and in our minds. We need to read and know and obey the word of God so we can begin to live it in our lives. This program is one that takes you through the Bible. And some people are following the Bible, and that is absolutely wonderful. Some people are not. And I would encourage you to get yourself involved in reading the Bible. If you don't like this program, then read the Bible anyway, but read it every day. And don't read just one scripture every day. Read the whole Bible. Don't read just one passage or one book. Read the whole Bible. Because God is talking to us now. He's speaking to us. Saying things. I was reading the other day a passage from Ezekiel. Felt like I was reading the local newspaper. Because it was so accurate. I'm telling you, God is doing some things today. Anyway, back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is important. Build, building up and helping each other in Jesus Christ is a key part of fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is not simply friendship, but learning to trust God for each other. We do a lot of fellowship on the prayer meeting, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30, where they're live. And there's a lot of fellowship going on. And I personally want to invite you Come there, join us, whatever Monday, Wednesday, and Friday you want to. 
Join us once a month or every week or every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But fellowship, we talk about God, we pray for you, and we ask God to help us. This is very important, beloved, because the devil doesn't want us to get together. But I'm telling you, we're going to get together in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to have fellowship. Amen and amen. Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment is a continuation from yesterday's study in which I showed how Genesis chapter 49, verse 10 is a clear reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the King James and New King James versions of the Bible translate that verse this way. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Now, as I documented on yesterday's program, Shiloh is a reference to the Messiah, Jesus. That much is clear. But today, my segment is all about the timing of this prophecy. Will this prophecy be fulfilled at Jesus' second coming? Well, actually, I've come to believe that it's already been fulfilled at his first coming. Why? Well, because when we consider this passage carefully along with Daniel 9, we can actually pinpoint a specific window of time in history when the Messiah had to arrive. Check it out. While there are hundreds of prophecies in the Bible describing the Messiah's life and mission, there are at least two that predict when he would arrive. The most well-known about of these prophecies is the so-called 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel 9. This was given to Daniel by the angel Gabriel at a time when Jerusalem and its temple was in ruins and the Israelites were exiles in Babylon. One of the things that makes this passage so important is that it gives a time frame that has clear beginning and ending points. According to verses 25 and 26, the Messiah will come sometime after a decree is issued to rebuild Jerusalem. When he does arrive, he will be cut off and have nothing. And this will happen sometime before the rebuilt Jerusalem and temple are destroyed for a second time. This limits the time frame for the Messiah's arrival between 444 BC, when Artaxerxes gave this decree, and 70 AD, when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed once again. But what's so stunning about this prophecy is that it seems to narrow this window of time down even more, even down to a specific day, which just so happened to be the moment in history when Jesus of Nazareth made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. While not all accept this interpretation, at the very least, Daniel provides us a time frame with a clear beginning, 444 BC and end, AD 70. Yet it seems that another biblical passage reduces this 500-year window of time even further. Genesis 49.10 declares that the scepter will not pass from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. According to several rabbis and scholars, Shiloh is a clear reference to the Messiah, but can also be translated as the one to whom it belongs. And the scepter refers to Judah's tribal identity and judicial authority. And judicial authority is the right to administer and enforce Torah law upon Jews living in Judah, 
including the right to judge capital cases and apply capital punishment. Based upon this understanding, Genesis 49.10 can be paraphrased this way. Tribal identity and judicial authority will not cease from Judah until the Messiah, the one to whom these legitimately belong, comes. History seems to indicate that Judah lost this authority sometime between 6 BC and AD 30. Significantly, according to the rabbis of the Talmud, they lost it in AD 30, the exact time Jesus' ministry began. And, as with Daniel's prophecy, since the temple along with the genealogical records were destroyed in AD 70, this was the absolute latest that the Messiah could come. So, Genesis 49.10 would appear to limit the Messiah's arrival between AD 30 and 70. A rabbi named Rachman confirmed this as he lamented, Woe unto us, for the scepter has departed from Judah, and the Messiah has not come. Of course, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, did come but his people rejected him and cut him off, just as Daniel had predicted. Nevertheless, the day is coming when they will see the one whom they pierced and recognize him as their Messiah. So a lot of us know about Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, but Genesis 49.10 also seems to narrow down the window of time in which the Messiah had to come, which was at the maximum between 6 BC and AD 70, since that's around the time that the scepter departed from Judah. But as I said in the segment, based on the Talmud, this window is even smaller, from AD 30 to 70. And AD 30 is a very interesting date, because this was right around the time that Jesus began his earthly ministry. So Genesis 49.10, Daniel 9, and the Talmud all point to a clear time in history when the Messiah had to arrive, and he certainly did arrive. Jesus came exactly when he was supposed to, and he will come again exactly when he's supposed to. And that's important to remember, Ryan. The Bible talks about this and tells us this is when Jesus arrived and he's coming back. He's coming back soon. So come to Jesus Christ if you don't know him today and pray. Janice? Yes, the writer of Hebrews. And today we're taking a look at Hebrews chapter 10. And in Christ's death, the shedding of his blood, God's will was fulfilled. And the writer in verse 10 reminds us, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And I had promised the second half of the beautiful hymn, In Christ Alone, written by Keith and Kristen Getty. Here's the last two verses of this beautiful, beautiful hymn. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, and no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. That is amazing, and uh, that, that is really good, and uh, God is somebody who takes us out of our sin yep. and pulls us into his place 
that is great. So thank in you. Christ alone. Wonderful, mm -hmm. and wonderful music, mm -hmm. wonderful song. Okay. Um, one of the things that we've done is we brought Richard Fangrad here, and Richard is from Creation Ministries International. We've been talking about the first 11 chapters of the Bible all week um, and other things. But one of the things you do at Creation Ministries is you do a magazine called Creation Magazine. Yes. That's an outstanding yes. magazine. That, that has been going for now 44 years. Oh my goodness, and, yeah. 44 years? Continuous publishing started in Australia uh, way back in 78. And uh, Dr. Carl Wieland, I, we have a copy at our office of the first one. It's, it's just white and black with a single staple in the corner. Oh you just kind of flipped mm. it over. That was volume one, issue one. So you publish these, is it six times a year? It's quarterly, it's four times a year. Four times a year. Yeah. And yep. what's in the magazine? It's a family magazine, there's, which means it has a range of articles, but you don't need a PhD to, to read them, right? We have another one called the Journal of Creation. That one That's you almost, a more advanced if, one. If you're looking for the details, then get that one. But this is a family magazine. Some articles are going to be a little more technical for people who want that. And there's even a kids section. And, and everything in between. And so we often, every article features an interview with a scientist or an engineer or a researcher, somebody who's involved in a technical field, something like that, who has come out of atheism, or we just, we just publish their stories. Why are you, you're in this technical field, or you're a scientist, and yet you're a Christian. Tell us about that. And so you get, you get a, a biography in every one of the magazines. And that's, that's very inspiring, excellent. yeah. And technical journal is something different. What is that? Yeah, the Journal of Creation is, uh, is peer-reviewed papers that from, from, from Bible-believing scientists all around the world. It's a, it's a clearinghouse to, to, clear, to, to uh, discuss the latest research in biblical creation. And so people put, write their papers on there, and then the next issue you'll have you'll have people critiquing. Well, no, what about this and this? And that's where ideas are formulated. So if you want the cutting edge creationist stuff, you want the Journal of Creation. That's digital only. When COVID started, it became just very very cost ineffective for us to continue with the with the print version. It's a mailing cost, paper cost, and stuff. So it's digital only. At creation.com. Yes. Yeah. You can sign up for both of them at creation.com. All right. So this is in the United States. It's in Canada. It's in Europe. And it's in anywhere in the world. Australia. Yep. yep. Started in Australia. Well, if you have a, if you have a mailing list, if, if you have an, an address, we can get the magazine to you anywhere in the world. Yeah. But yeah, there's seven offices globally, New Zealand, Australia, uh, South Africa, the UK, Europe, Canada, and the US and Singapore. Excellent. Very good. Well, we're on in Africa. Good to see our folks in Africa today. So they have an African office, Creation Ministry International. In That's South Africa. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And the magazine is beautiful. It is. It's very well done. The final question I would ask before we pray for you is, what is the most dramatic testimony you've seen from a scientist? Somebody that was not a Christian, but then they became a Christian and they're writing articles or they're doing things now for you. Well, you know, I, I, there's, there's a lot of them, but uh, Emil Silvestru, mm -hmm. who you know, and, and years ago, he had, a, he had a stroke 10 years ago and uh, unfortunately hasn't been with the ministry since, since that time. But uh, his test, he grew up as an atheist in communist Romania. He's Romanian. And, um, and his, his wife became a Christian and she kept reading the Bible. He said, Why, aren't you finished that book yet? It's like most books you finish, the Bible you never finish. But um, 
he became a Christian, then struggled with the science, right? That was millions of years, slow and gradual processes. He's a geologist. He's a, he's a cave expert, really. It has to do with geology and some other things. And he got in touch with one of the geologists from our Australian office, and they, and they said, look, Emil, you're a geologist. You know how water erodes rock and so on. Think about what a global flood would do geologically. As a geologist, think about what a global flood would do. And that, that's it. Yep, mm. that, that, was, that was the key. That's the key to understanding the age of the earth, how, how we can explain these geologic features like Grand Canyon, other canyons and the surface features of the earth rapidly. Because without a global flood, it would take millions of years to see the features that we see. Mm. Um, but, but, and, and as a geologist, that, that's Emil's testimony. And I, and I, th- I think that's one of the, it's, that's a highlight for a testimony. Atheist, Christian, and then, and then figuring out the science and the Bible, and it was a global flood that did it for him. That's right. And yeah. that's, that's really, he's a great guy. That's really good. Yeah. We want to pray for you and pray for your ministry that God takes it to new levels. And uh, if we can do that, Father, I Thank just you. pray in Jesus' name for Creation Ministries International. Touch them and help them, Lord. Thank you for this ministry, which takes the scientist and takes all of the things that your Bible tells us, which you said, and uh, it's never changed and helps us to see them in light of all of the ways in which so many other people have tried to influence the Bible. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help them to grow and give them appointments in churches and help them all over the world, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, protect him and help him, help his family today and touch them, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. We send together, amen Amen. and amen. amen. Very good. Well, that's it's good to have you with us. And uh, creation.com is the website. And if we go to creation.com, we'll know what it looks like. And you're, it, you just sort of start exploring. Yeah, there's a search window. And then there's also a, a most, question, most questions answered. And if you click on answer, that's a hyperlink. It takes you to a page of topics, geology, biology, ice age, flood, uh, all kinds of different things. And if you click on those topics, it'll open up a page of article after article on that topic. So, and, and so written by scientists. Wonderful. And so it's- Many of them, yeah. Yeah, and so anyway, it's just a way that that you can actually uh, get yourself familiar with this idea, with what God said from the beginning and understand what he's doing. So this is very, very important and very good. Well, let's get to the, the Bible study uh, prayer request. This is important, so pay attention. Here we go. Three days a week, that's what we do. Live prayer meeting, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern time in the United States of America. If you're in Africa, if you're in Australia, if you're in Europe, doesn't matter where you're at, if you're in Australia, wherever you're at, get on the internet and join us. We're live and we'll take your prayer request in the chat room. That's at BibleDiscoveryTV.com, Facebook and YouTube. Make sure you are there. Today we pray, Lord, help us to understand and build on my faith today, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. 